This morning we'll be in the book of Daniel. We'll be in Daniel chapter number 4. And uh, we're going to read a few verses in Daniel chapter 4. And uh, these will form the basis for our text, although we will be alluding to other verses in the book of Daniel, specifically as well in Daniel chapter number 4. And so in Daniel chapter number 4, I would like for you to... uh, Make your way to verse number 28. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. We are going to read verse 28 through verse number 32 this morning. Daniel chapter 4, verse 28 through verse 32. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The title of the message this morning is, The Most High Rules on Earth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the time we could be in your house. We thank you for salvation through the finished work of Christ. Lord, as we think about the affairs and the situation in our nation today, we can be so discouraged. But Lord, today help us to read your holy word and be encouraged to know that you do still yet rule here on this earth. Lord, give us comfort, give us grace, help us to be diligent and to research and to do our part as we vote for candidates, but help us to realize that ultimately you rule and you reign. You set up who you want, you bring down who you want. Lord, may you receive honor and glory and may we be content with you and your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. The Most High Rules on Earth. Now, I mentioned already that Election Day is Tuesday, and I trust that we will do our duty as citizens and as Christians and research the candidates and vote if we have not already. We should be praying for moral and godly leaders. Sometimes, as we know, elections do not turn out the way that we want. And when that happens, we can be discouraged and even sometimes somewhat devastated. It does appear at times that evil is actually prevailing. But our text message and our or our text passage in the message today should serve as an antidote to the believer feeling discouraged, defeated, and despondent. In fact, far from being discouraged, we should be encouraged to know that God, the Most High, rules on earth. Now, the words here, Most High, are taken from verse number 32 in our text, where uh, Nebuchadnezzar speaking, and by the way, this is Nebuchadnezzar speaking, um, uh, he's reciting, he's actually writing and reciting what he was told by Daniel, and and he says here, he says, 
that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Notice the words Most High. Now we know from our study of the Bible that the Old Testament was written mostly in Hebrew. And yet there are portions in the book of uh, Daniel as well as in the book of Ezra and somewhat in the book of Jeremiah, a small portion, that were written in Aramaic. And the words here that are in our English Bible, Most High, they're in They're an Aramaic word. This was written in Aramaic, and it literally means supreme, and it is used only of the Most High God. So the message is emphatic. God, our God, the Most High, rules in the kingdom of men. He rules on earth. Now, in our text, Daniel is called in by the king to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's troubling dream that he had. And you can gain context of that, and we'll refer to a few of the verses a little bit earlier in chapter number 4. But the interpretation and the fulfillment of Nebuchadnezzar's dream would actually reveal that, yes, God is the Most High, and He does rule on earth. Now, Nebuchadnezzar's experience is an experience that none of us would want to go through. And yet, his experience is a source of comfort for the believer. We often talk about, you know, the school of experience being the best teacher. Well, it can be if it's someone else's experience and we don't have to go through it and we can learn from it. And I'm saying to you this morning that we should learn from Nebuchadnezzar's experience We should be comforted because what Nebuchadnezzar went through reveals that the Most High rules on earth. Now this morning, there are three comforts of knowing that the Most High rules on earth. They're all here in Daniel chapter 4. The first comfort is this. God is conscious of what takes place on earth. He's conscious of it. The second comfort, God is in control of matters here on earth. And the third comfort is that God confers earthly power as He sees fit. These three comforts of knowing the Most High rules on the earth. And we should remember these and, and, and take these and make them as guide marks and posts in our life as we think about election day not only this election day on Tuesday but all election days so notice the first comfort God is conscious of what takes place on earth there is comfort for the believer because God is alive he is not dead and he is alive and he is watching now Nebuchadnezzar would learn this lesson the hard way you often hear people talk about our founding fathers. And they say that our founding fathers were not Christians, but deists. Many of them were deists. A deist is somebody who believes that God did in fact create all, and yet it's somewhat like a clock. He wound it up, and he's leaving it to its own accord, and he kind of vacates all uh, consciousness of what's going on. I'm here to tell you that's not what the Bible teaches about the Most High. The Most High rules on earth. 
the Most High God is conscious of what takes place on earth. Now I want you to notice in Nebuchadnezzar's specific situation how God is conscious of what takes place on earth. I want you to notice it begins first of all in verses 29 and 30 with Nebuchadnezzar's pride. His pride. Look at verse number 29 in in Daniel chapter 4. At the end of 12 months, now this is 12 months after he received the interpretation by Daniel. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. Now what, what is Nebuchadnezzar doing here? He is literally walking in the palace and he's enjoying all the splendor of the king's palace. If we were to go back to Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 4, we're not going to do this. I told you you'd need to go back and read some of this on your own. But in Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 4, the Bible tells us that Nebuchadnezzar was flourishing in the palace. It means he was prosperous in the palace. And so literally, do you know what we have here? And I, and I want you to think about this and, and make application in your own life because do you remember what got David in trouble with Bathsheba? What was the problem with David? David was supposed to be out fighting a war and he stayed back and he is enjoying the luxuries of the palace. And he walks out on the rooftop of the king's palace and he notices Bathsheba bathing. David enjoying all the luxuries of the palace. What's wrong with enjoying the luxuries of the palace? Nothing in and of itself. But that can lead to something that is wrong and improper. Now here's Nebuchadnezzar enjoying all of the splendor and the prosperity of the palace. And it doesn't stop there. Notice in verse number 30, the Bible says, The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon, now watch the pronouns that he uses, that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. What is Nebuchadnezzar's problem? His problem is that he is lifted up with pride. He is accrediting all that he has and the glory and splendor of the kingdom that God had given him to reign over Babylon as the world power in that day. He is attributing it to who? Himself. We know that he is lifted up with pride because later on in verse number 37, and we're going to look at this Later on in the message, Nebuchadnezzar says, And those that walk in pride, God is able to abase. We further know that Nebuchadnezzar's lifted up with pride, because if you make your way over to Daniel chapter number 5, when Nebuchadnezzar's son uh, Belshazzar is now in power, I want you to notice what Daniel says to Belshazzar in, in, in Daniel chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. In Daniel 5, verses 18 through 20. O thou king, the most high God. Do you notice the terminology? Daniel's using the same terminology. The most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar thy father a kingdom and majesty and glory and honor. This is the same thing that Nebuchadnezzar was attributing to himself. Daniel is saying God is the one that had bestowed that upon Nebuchadnezzar your father. Now watch. Look at verse 19. And for the majesty that he gave him, all people, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whom he would, he slew, and whom he would, he kept alive. 
and whom he would he set up, and whom he would he put down. Now watch. But when his heart was lifted up, and his mind hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Nebuchadnezzar is lifted up with pride. He is giving all the honor and glory for all that he enjoyed on earth at that time to himself. Now I want you to contrast what Nebuchadnezzar's approach was with David's. And I'm going to read you this passage of scripture from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And this is when David is getting ready to give to Solomon all of the treasuries and the plans and so forth for the building of the temple. Remember, God would not permit David to build it. But he allowed David to prepare for the temple. And so Solomon's going to build it. And David says this in 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 11. In fact, David says it before all the people in 1 Chronicles 29 and 11. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. You get that? David ascribed that to the Lord. David goes on and he says, For all that is in heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. And so David, David as a man of God, clearly understood. David in this particular instance was not lifted up with pride, and he is giving God the honor and the glory which God alone only deserves. And so we're making the point this morning that we have comfort from what we read in Daniel chapter number 4, the first comfort is that God is conscious of what takes place on earth. God, God, God knew Nebuchadnezzar's pride. God knew Nebuchadnezzar's pride, and we're going to talk about that more in just a moment. So we see that God is conscious of what takes place on earth. We see Nebuchadnezzar's pride, but now I want you to notice, secondly, Nebuchadnezzar's presumption. His presumption. God did not factor in with Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar presumed... Now think about this, and I want, I want you to think about your own life, and I want you to think about whether or not you are like Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar presumed that God was not conscious of affairs here on this earth. He presumed that God did not know the thoughts of Nebuchadnezzar's heart. He presumed that God was not going to in any way interfere with the kingdom, power, honor, and glory, and majesty that Nebuchadnezzar enjoyed. He presumed upon God. His presumption was that God did not see, that God did not watch, that God did not care. Now notice, I didn't say that he didn't think that God was able or capable. I don't know what Nebuchadnezzar thought about that. But you know that there are many people that think that God is able and capable, and they're not atheists in their voice, but they're atheists in their practice. They say, well, I believe God is able, but then they live like God is not able. They say that they believe God is conscious of what happens here on this earth, but then they live as though God is not conscious of what happens here on this earth. Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up with pride. And as a result of this, we see that it's based upon his presumption. The presumption of the natural man is that God is not conscious of what takes place on earth. I want to give you just a few passages that prove this. 
Ezekiel was called to prophesy against the house of Israel. And listen to what Ezekiel prophesied in Ezekiel chapter number 9 and verse number 9. In Ezekiel 9 and verse number 9. Then said he unto me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great, and the land is full of blood, and the city full of perverseness. Now watch this. Pay attention. For they say, The Lord hath forsaken the earth, and the Lord seeth not. That was God's own people that said that, Well, you know, God God doesn't really care what happens here on this earth. God doesn't see what goes on. And beloved, God is aware. And God does see. Just like He knew the thoughts of Nebuchadnezzar's heart, He knows the thoughts of our own heart. God knows exactly what's taking place in the United States this day. God sees every political ad that is aired. God hears every political speech that is made. God hears when ungodly, wicked politicians will have the audacity to use a scripture to uh, try to somehow prove that things like abortion are acceptable unto God. God hears and sees all of that. Asaph was in great despair as he considered the plight of the natural man who prospered here on this earth. And he, he records forever in perpetuity how the natural man approaches God. In Psalm 73, verse 11, Asaph writes, And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? And what he's literally saying is that the wicked man, the natural man, he doesn't even consider or think about the fact that God rules here on this earth, that God is conscious of what takes place here on this earth. And then I want you to notice Job. Turn with me to the book of Job. And although this is not Job speaking, this is actually Eliphaz. I want you to know what El- notice what Eliphaz accuses Job of thinking. I want you to notice Job chapter 22. Job chapter 22 verses 12 through 14. Job 22 verses 12 through 14. This is Eliphaz answering Job. In verse number 12, Is not God in the height of heaven? And behold the height of the stars, how high they are. And thou sayest, How doth God know? Can he judge through the dark cloud? Thick clouds are a covering to him that he seeth not. And he walketh in the circuit of heaven. Now Eliphaz is accusing Job of thinking that God is in heaven And God is not concerned about what happens here on this earth. And he's literally saying that to Job, by the way, falsely I believe so, he's saying to Job that Job has taken the approach that God is in heaven and he can't see through even the clouds of what's happening here on this earth. And that's the assumption and the presumption of the natural man. The natural man, lifted up with pride, presumes upon God's good grace and thinks that God is not conscious of what happens here on this earth and of course this is what Nebuchadnezzar was doing he walks out he's already been he's already been instructed and we'll talk about that here in just a few moments he's already been instructed by Daniel about this dream that he had that had troubled Nebuchadnezzar and here we find a year later Nebuchadnezzar walks out and he's enjoying all the prosperity and flourishing of the splendor of the palace and he says look what I've done Man, I'm all that. 
I am really something. You know, people people should just really fawn to be around me because I am the man. I have gotten all of this power and majesty for myself. I did all of this on my own. This is my kingdom. I am literally the man. He's lifted up with pride. He presumes that somehow God doesn't know that. That leads us to Nebuchadnezzar's problem. His problem. His problem, first of all, was that he was wrong. That God is conscious and God does see. In fact, if you were to have your bulletins in front of you this morning, in the front of the bullet or in the middle of the bulletin, we have our 2022 church theme. And our 2022 church theme is what? The eyes of the Lord are upon us. We started out the year preaching out of the book of Deuteronomy where it says that the eyes of the Lord are upon us from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Proverbs 15 and verse number 3 tells us the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Nebuchadnezzar had a problem. He was lifted up with pride and he presumed that God did not see. But his problem was that he was wrong. God is conscious and God does see what happens here on this earth. And you know what further exacerbated uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar's problem is that he had been warned. He had been, not only was he wrong, but he had been warned. Read the prior chapters leading up to Daniel chapter 4. If you specifically go back to chapter number 2, Daniel is preaching and talking about God's power. And then earlier in this chapter, we see Nebuchadnezzar reciting his dream to Daniel. And I want you to know specifically what Nebuchadnezzar says to Daniel about this dream. Notice in Daniel chapter 4 and verse number 17. Daniel 4, number 17. He says, This matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men. And then notice what Daniel says back to Nebuchadnezzar in verse number 25. Look at Daniel 4 verse 25. Now Daniel is... that. By the way, verse 17, this is Nebuchadnezzar giving the dream to Daniel. And then Daniel in verse number 25 is interpreting the dream. And notice what Daniel says in verse number 25. That they shall... Actually, let's read verse 24 so you get the context. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of who? The Most High, which is come upon my Lord, the king, that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that who? The Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. This is almost verbatim what is fulfilled in verse number 32 of Daniel chapter 4 that we read a little bit earlier. So Nebuchadnezzar is, is, is wrong. He thinks that God is not conscious. That God does not see. And he has been warned. And we ought to shout the warning to all that are here and to all the politicians that would run for office. Remember Proverbs chapter 16 and verse number 18. Proverbs 16 and verse number 18. Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Nebuchadnezzar was headed for a fall. Notice 
uh, it, dealing with Nebuchadnezzar's problem and he was wrong that he was warned but notice that God's judgment did not wait his judgment did not wait now I want you to look at verse number 31 look at look at Daniel chapter 4 verse number 31 while the word was in the king's mouth there fell a voice from heaven saying O King Nebuchadnezzar to thee it is spoken the kingdom is departed from thee do you notice that God had, God had warned Nebuchadnezzar. God had given him this dream of what was going to happen. Nebuchadnezzar lifted up in his pride, presuming upon God, had this problem that he thought that God was not conscious, that God did not see. Does this not sound like the politician of today? And I'm going to just go ahead, and when I say politician, I'm going to count in the President of the United States. Bold and arrogant and audacious. To alienate half of the population of the United States and to literally stand in front of people and lie through your teeth saying that if the Republicans win this win in this election that our democracy is over. These people are unhinged. I don't know if they really believe this or if they're just such liars that they're convincing enough. But they are modern day Nebuchadnezzars. They somehow think that God is not conscious of this. That God does not see or hear what they're saying. And beloved, God sees and hears every bit of it. And by the way, I'm not just talking about on the Democratic side. I'm talking about any politician. In fact, I want to I have you think about this this morning. Could it be that Donald Trump is no longer president because he is prideful and arrogant? Could it be that this man, who I believe did so much to help the cause of morality here in the United States with uh, appointing Supreme Court justices, and whether you like him or not is not the point. But he's proud, and he's arrogant. And he, to this day, has not learned his lesson. And God is teaching Nebuchadnezzar a lesson. He sees and knows what goes on in this earth. The most prideful arrogant politician is to be warned of God, God sees. When you stand in front of the American people and you spout off venomous language as though you somehow are the most high, God is sooner or later going to reveal to you that you are not the most high. Now I don't mean to be I don't mean to be blasphemous or anything this morning. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but when the president was on the other night and he was making that speech, I said to Darlene I said, man, you know, God perhaps might strike him down right now with a heart attack. And it would be fit and proper. What happened to Nebuchadnezzar? As Nebuchadnezzar said the words, look at me and all that I've done, in that very moment, God said, that's it, the kingdom's taken away. God can do that. So the first comfort that you and I have is we listen to these politicians and all their arrogancy and prideful spouting and we say, man, does not anybody see this? Does not anybody care? Yes, God sees and God cares. God is conscious of what goes on here on this earth. The second comfort is that not as God, God is not only conscious, but God is in control of matters here on this earth. God not only sees, but He acts. You know, it's one thing to see something take place. It's another thing to act on it. You remember the the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the Lord said, man, there was many that saw the Levite and the priest and so forth, and they didn't do a thing to help that person. 
But then it was the Samaritan who was a devout enemy of the Jews. The, the Samaritan saw and acted. God sees and He acts. I want to give you a quote from an old theologian by the name of J.D. Davies. J.D. Davies wrote this many years ago. He wrote in reference to Nebuchadnezzar. He wrote, If the statesmen or the artisans in Babylon overheard the utterance of the king, they might have regarded it as a harmless outburst of vanity. Yet God doth not so regard it. It disturbs the tranquility of heaven. It is regarded there as the language of hostile defiance. The limit of God's forbearance was leached. There is a time to be quiet and a time to act. The cup of Nebuchadnezzar's sin was full. He had despised the messages of kindly expostulation from Jehovah, and now no delay was permitted. The king had barely ceased to speak when Jehovah responded. But the words of Nebuchadnezzar were not intended for the ears of God. Ah, still God heard them. He regarded them as an indirect menace to him, and he at once replies, The verdict has passed the judge's lips. The kingdom is alienated. In a moment, the empire is lost. Rank, honor, power, all lost. Manhood lost. Intelligence, memory, reason, love. All lost. And what he's talking about is that Nebuchadnezzar literally was driven out of his mind. He went mad for a period of time. God is in control of what happens here on this earth. God is not only conscious and He not only sees, but God is in control. He acts. In this we see God's power. Now I want you to notice verse 32 again. Notice what the Bible says, And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. Nebuchadnezzar had to learn that the Most High ruled here on this earth, not Nebuchadnezzar. We mentioned before that this portion of Scripture is written in Aramaic. And the word ruleth in the, in the Aramaic here in verse number 32 where it says the Most High ruleth, it means to have mastery, to have authority, to have permission. God has permission and authority to rule here on this earth. It's His earth. He created it. He doesn't need our permission. God has mastery over all that takes place here on the earth. He rules not only in heaven, but here on earth as well. Now, I want you to notice here God's power over Nebuchadnezzar specifically. Because I think sometimes we listen to the preaching of the Word and we take it generically. Well, yes, I believe God is in control of, of, of all that's on the earth here. But do you believe He's in control of you specifically? Do you know that God can do with you as He did specifically with Nebuchadnezzar? That's a, that's a terrorizing thought, is it not? Notice in, in verse number 33, in verse number 32, we read what God said He was going to do. Now notice what He did in verse 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. 
And he was driven from men and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hairs were grown out, grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. Can you just envision Nebuchadnezzar as some wild maniac madman out in this in the field just you know eating grass and driven literally insane and that's what God is saying God had power over Nebuchadnezzar but I want you to notice that God in his power over Nebuchadnezzar is demonstrating that he actually has power over all this is a lesson in God's power and in God's sovereignty look at verse number 35 now Look at Daniel 4 and verse number 35. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven. Now watch. And among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? You know who's going to win these elections on Tuesday? Whomever God wants to. Whomever God is allowed to take office. We look at that and we say, Well, well, man, what if, what if they cheat in these elections? Well, if they cheat, God's aware of that, and God's going to allow that to happen. And God's going to permit that for His own honor and glory, as we're going to talk about here in just a minute. The point that I'm making is this. You and I need to get to the point where we trust in God for what happens here on this earth, and our trust is not in the power of men. As I mentioned earlier, maybe God took the presidency from Donald Trump to try to teach him a lesson. And he hasn't learned it. I mean, you know, here he is, and again, you know, big mouth spouting off. He's at a rally in Florida, and he's running down Ron DeSantis. Well, how's that any different than what President Biden's doing in dividing? We don't need division at this time. We need some unity. You know, so what's this guy doing, man? Learn a little humility. Maybe God will have to drive him out like he did Nebuchadnezzar to learn a little humility. What our country needs are humble leaders and not prideful and arrogant leaders who think that they are like Nebuchadnezzar and they've done this on their own. God will not stand for that. Learn the lesson of Scripture. We see God's power, but notice God's purpose in what He did. First of all, God did this, what He did with Nebuchadnezzar, in driving him out to lose his mind and to take the kingdom from him, first of all, for the same reason that God does anything that he does, and do you know what that is? For his own honor. That's what God does. It is for his own honor. I want you to look now at verse 34. We skipped over verse 34. But I want you to read what Nebuchadnezzar says in verse number 34. And at the end of the day, in other words, when Nebuchadnezzar's mind and sanity was restored to him. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lift up mine eyes unto heaven, and mine understanding returned unto me. Now watch what he did. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation. You know what Nebuchadnezzar had to do? He had to go through the school of God's sovereignty so that he could learn proper grammar. Do you notice his pronouns went from I to focusing on God? And God was clearly teaching Nebuchadnezzar a lesson and by extension teaching all of us a lesson 
Nebuchadnezzar literally had the kingdom rent from him for his own honor. You know what God's going to do in our leaders here in this country? He's going to allow whom he wants for his own honor. And if that means ungodly, wicked rulers that he might bring judgment upon our nation, then we better gird up the loins of our mind and be ready and prepared for what God is going to do. Because as we just read, none can stay the hand of God. He does as he pleases here among the inhabitants of the earth. So it was for his own honor, but notice as well, it was to humble Nebuchadnezzar. It was to humble Nebuchadnezzar. Now skip down, I want you to skip down to the last verse of this chapter, verse number 37, and watch what Nebuchadnezzar says. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment. Now watch. And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. Nebuchadnezzar is speaking from personal experience. God had abased him. God had brought him low. You know, we hear, we hear these politicians stand up and spout out these wicked, ungodly messages. And we say, man, can't somebody shut their mouth? God can. God can abase them. God can bring them low. You know, we see all these politicians uh, spouting lies about one another. And we say, well, isn't anybody going to tell the truth? God is. Nebuchadnezzar said that he is a God of truth. All his works are truth. God is conscious. God, God is conscious of what happens on this earth. God is in control of what happens on this earth. We ought to remember this verse in Isaiah 26, verse number 5, as we come up upon the elections. Isaiah 26, verse number 5, For he bringeth down them that dwell on high. The lofty city he layeth it low. He layeth it low even to the ground. He bringeth it even to the dust. God is able to do that. So we, got, we find comfort in this passage. That God is conscious of what takes place on this earth. God is in control of matters here on this earth. And then notice this last comfort. God confers earthly power as He sees fit. God determines it and not us. Yes, we do our part. We vote. We research the candidates. We play a part in our uh, republic that we live in. We're, I hope we understand the form of government. We're not, we're not a democracy. We're a republic. Okay? And I hope we understand that, that we elect leaders to go to Washington, D.C. and represent us. And we ought, to, we ought to do our due diligence, and we ought to vote, and we ought to pray that God would give us godly, moral leaders. And yet, at the end of the day, you know, what, what determines the election? God. God confers earthly power as He sees fit. It is God that gives the promotion. In Psalm 75, verses 6 and 7, the Bible reads, For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Verse 7, But God is the judge. He putteth down one, and setteth up another. And when it talks about promotion, it's talking about God setting up and giving somebody an earthly kingdom to reign over that. Now, you remember Satan? When Satan was tempting the Lord, and he said, Oh, if you do all this, I'll give you this kingdom here on this earth. You know, Satan didn't have the power to do that. All he has is power that is delegated to him from God. God's in control of that. God can allow Satan... Read the story of Job. God can allow Satan to do certain things, and he can withhold Satan from doing certain things. But it is ultimately up to God who determines who's going to rule here on this earth. The powers that be, according to Romans 13, are ordained of God. Not only the fact 
that earthly government is right and proper and it comes from God, but who it is that serves in that earthly government comes from God. God confers earthly power as He sees fit. Now, I told you a little bit earlier in the message, Nebuchadnezzar was warned of these facts. Not only in Daniel chapter number 4, but going all the way back to Daniel chapter number 2, Daniel said this. All the way back in Daniel chapter 2 and verse number 21, listen to this. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Daniel had preached to Nebuchadnezzar that God confers earthly power as he sees fit and Nebuchadnezzar would not get the message. He was still lifted up in pride and presumed upon God and God had to bring him low. And God took the kingdom from him for a time. God can do that. That ought to be comfort to you. We look at all that's gone on in the United States and we look at all of the the wickedness that has been perpetrated. My my goodness, did you ever think that there would be a time in our nation's history where a guy who suffered a stroke and cannot think lucidly or communicate lucidly or coherently has got 50% of the people of Pennsylvania voting for him? What is wrong with our country? And you say, "Well, well, man, what do we do? Well, we find comfort in the fact that God confers earthly power as He sees fit. What's the lesson we learn from that? Don't move to Pennsylvania. No, I'm kidding. I'm teasing about that. I mean, listen, we're in Illinois, okay? If, if, if we're going to talk, I'll move to Pennsylvania over Illinois any day, okay? It's a joke. But God confers earthly power as He sees fit. It is God's promotion. And that leads us, lastly, to our prospects our prospects now i hope you've been following the the campaigns i hope you've been following i hope you know who's running for state senate and state representative i hope you know who's running for united states representative and united the united states senate i hope you know who's running for governor in illinois hope you i hope you've been following what's happening in you know places like that state up north and in 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 nevada and arizona and in uh, Florida and all these different locations where there are key races at stake. And I hope you've been following that because if you are, you can pray. And that gives you that gives you a source of comfort, the prospects of what God can do. It's exciting to see what God can do. We can be comforted and encouraged because God is in control. And I don't know what's going to happen in the elections on Tuesday. I know how I'm praying. God to give us mercy and grace. But you know, whatever happens, God is in control. We know that for a surety. W.A. Scott, William A. Scott, was a prominent Presbyterian minister in the 1800s in the San Francisco Bay Area. He helped found the San Francisco Theological Seminary. And uh, the first congregation that he pastored included General Andrew Jackson. And and W.A. Scott wrote this in reference to the topic we're talking about. We have here one of the most striking and instructive lessons of God's power to humble the proud that is recorded in the Bible. He's talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Babylon's mighty monarch had made many successful campaigns and obtained great glory. He was the head of the mightiest kingdom and ruler over the greatest city then in the world. But his riches and his fame, his treasures and his power could not preserve his peace of mind. 
his well-appointed guards and numerous army could not keep him from being terrified by dreams. The majesty and all-governing influence of God are here displayed in his acknowledged, absolute, undisputed sovereignty over the entire world. God's victory over the mightiest and proudest conqueror was easy and complete. How utterly in vain, then, for the impenitent to hope to escape from the presence of God. And you and I, man, listen, we ought to thank God every day that He saved us and given us a knowledge of Him. And you know what? We bow the knee now to Christ. I am a willing subject of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not perfect. I sin against the Lord. But I want Christ to rule and reign over me. There are many today that don't. And one day they will bow the knee. And you know what they need? They need the lesson that God taught Nebuchadnezzar. Now we've applied this as it relates to elections, but we could apply this in many different areas, could we not? The wicked need to be humble. They need to be saved by the grace of God. No man will have peace in earthly power or fortune or fame or or prestige. None of that. None of that matters. Nebuchadnezzar had all of that. He's troubled with this dream that literally drove him out of his mind. And we know that God was behind that. God is in control. God is conscious of what happens. God confers earthly power as he sees fit. I find comfort in these words. These are, these, are, these are stout words from the Lord. To think about, can anybody read what happened to Nebuchadnezzar and think, man, I pray God never, never does that to me. I mean, can you not think about that? And yet, we're lifted up with pride. God could do the same thing to us as he did with Nebuchadnezzar. We say, oh, well, I'm afraid. No, no, the message is not of terror. It is of comfort to know that God is in control. He is conscious, and He confers power as He sees fit. If the Lord be for us, who then can be against us? The Most High rules on earth. Let's pray.